Well, can you believe it? It's already week number eight of this National Football League season, and this is an eighth straight week edition of Jonesing for Football. We are in record-setting territory here. Bill Jones in Dallas, Cody Winstead in Philadelphia. After a week off for the Eagles, they are revived and ready to go for the quote-unquote second half of their season. And we're here to preview week number eight of this season. How you doing, young Cody? Doing well, Dr. Jones. Again, you're right. I'm not sure we've ever done a podcast eight straight weeks in a row, but here we are together again. It feels good. And my big takeaway from week seven, Bill Jones, I've got my eyes on these final four teams from the NFC last year. The Niners, Packers, Rams, and Bucks. 0-3 again this weekend. Just 1-3 last weekend. All these teams are struggling, which actually fares very well for your Cowboys and my Eagles over in the NFC. That's uh, very interesting. You know, and as we approach the basically the halfway point of this season here in the next week or so things are going just as we predicted at the beginning of the season especially in the nfc east where the eagles are what are they six and oh they are giants are six and one and the cowboys are five and two just like we predicted well i predicted the eagles to go i'm about right on yours you're about right on your cowboys i don't think anybody even Brian Dable, I don't think he saw the Giants going six and one. But um, yeah, I can't believe that we all have been knocking the NFC East. Come to find out this year, they might actually be the best division in the conference. And uh, and the Washington Commanders coming off a win over those reeling Green Bay Packers. All right, uh, let's uh, take a look at this week's schedule, week number eight. And I think to start things off, and we talked about last week about uh, it wasn't exactly a glamorous uh, as far as matchups go last week, but I was kicking myself late in the week for not picking the Kansas City San Francisco game. And the only reason that I didn't the week before is that San Francisco was coming off a horrendous performance against the Falcons. They lost on the road 28 14, and they were so injury depleted. Well, then in the meantime, they pick up Christian McCaffrey. They're getting guys back, and that would have been a great game to, to preview last week. So I'm going to make amends this week. Now, here are our choices for this week. The Thursday night game is the Ravens against Tampa Bay, okay? And, and you talk about reeling. How about the Buccaneers? Yep. All right, very quickly, going through the Sunday schedule, Denver plays Jacksonville in London. Carolina plays at Atlanta. Chicago is at Dallas. Miami at Detroit. Arizona at Minnesota, Las Vegas at New Orleans, New England at the Jets, Pittsburgh at Philadelphia, Tennessee at Houston, Washington at Indianapolis, San Francisco at the Rams, the Giants at the Seahawks, the Sunday night game is Green Bay at Buffalo, and then on Monday night you got Cincinnati and Cleveland. Now, uh, to pull back the curtain a little bit, each week, Cody texts me the games that he wants to do this week. And then I text him back and say, great. See you next week. Correct. (laughs) And doesn't tell me which games he's picking, even though on purpose, I try to leave the best games for Bill Jones, unless I'm working the game or maybe it involves a storyline that I want to cover. Like 
the Seahawks last week. Maybe I wanted to talk about them. So, but normally All I right. give you the best game, Phil Jones. Okay. So we're going to start with our favorite game of the week. So I think maybe since you made the pick of your favorite game of the week and didn't leave me the option of picking my favorite game of the week, maybe you should start with the rundown of your favorite game of the week since you've I, now taken command of Jonesing for football. Not at all, Dr. Jones, but I will give you my favorite game of the week. It's Niners at Rams. When the year started, we thought these could be the best two teams in the NFC, remember, they did meet in the conference championship last year. Fast forward nine months, and neither team is above 500. And both, I feel, are in danger of missing the postseason. First, San Francisco, who already beat L.A. back in week four. We know Kyle Shanahan owns Sean McVay. Seven straight wins in the regular season. Yes, Sean did win in the uh, playoffs last year to advance to the Super Bowl. But overall, Shanahan does have his number. Niners 3-4 and four this season with losses to the Bears, Broncos, and Falcons. That just doesn't sound right. Uh, but they did make the move for Christian McCaffrey, as you mentioned, Dr. Jones. 10 touches, 62 yards in his debut last week. And the Niners are finally getting healthy, including Trent Williams and Nick Bosa. Nicky Bosa, he was one of the keys to the Niners' win against the Rams a few weeks ago, had two of their seven sacks of Matt Stafford, and we'll see if the Rams' offensive line can protect better this time. L.A., the fifth most sacks allowed this season, which has caused them to go from a top-10 scoring offense to a bottom-10 scoring offense this season. And, Bill Jones, I know you picked the Rams to win this division. I picked the Niners. But guess who's leading the NFC West so far? It's the Seattle Seahawks. Not even, again, not even Pete Carroll saw that one coming. I will say it's a monster game for both San Fran and L.A. A loss would drop the Niners to 3-5. and five, And historically, teams only have a 9% chance of making the postseason with that record. I am pumped to see the next chapter of this rivalry. I'm interested when you said that historically a team with a three and five record only has a 9% chance of making the playoffs. You know, our most loyal listener, Babe Loffenberg, he is very quick each week to point out that teams with a 0-2 record have an exit percentage chance of making the playoffs or a team with a 0-3 record. And I'm now beginning to wonder who might be Babe Loffenberg's source for this information that he is getting each week? Might it be Commander Cody? No, Babe is a smart man. He knows football, <laughs> and uh, he knows great points to talk about. So we share the thinking there. I guess so. And you do the uh, arithmetic on it, too. You do the research through the years to come up with that stat. That's a great stat to throw out there. And I'm glad that you picked that game, the Niners and the Rams, because it leads me into the true favorite game of the week. What you, you got? Can all, um, imagine what the true favorite game of the week would be. It would be a matchup of two teams that are better than those teams that made it to the conference championship game last year, right? I know exactly where you're going, Bill Jones. Go ahead. That, that would be the aforementioned Seattle Seahawks at four and three on the season playing host to the aforementioned New York football giants 
who are six and one on the season. Who would have thought eight weeks ago that in week eight of the season, anybody would be picking the Giants at Seattle as the favorite game of the week, but I think you can make a great case for it. It is remarkable what Pete Carroll is doing with the Seattle Seahawks. It's remarkable what Geno Smith is doing as well. Yeah, that's and that's why. Yep. And it's uh, even more remarkable than what Brian Dable is doing with the New York football giants. As far as the uh, Seahawks are concerned, and they go on the road last week, and they beat the Chargers 37 to 23. And the most remarkable thing about what the Seahawks are doing are the points that they are putting up on a fairly consistent basis. 37 points in that game. Now, the week before, a win over Arizona was a 19 to 9 win. Prior to that, it was a loss to the Saints, but they put up 32 points. They beat Detroit 48 to 45. So Geno's got it going on there uh, with their offense in uh, Seattle. And one of the big things that's got it going on is Pete Carroll can do what he loves to do with the addition of the rookie Kenneth Walker. You saw his numbers from the game against the Chargers, 23 carries, 168 yards, and two touchdowns. When you can establish a ground game like that, it makes it a whole lot easier on a quarterback. And Geno Smith, looking like the Geno Smith at West Virginia that we talked about a few weeks ago when he was putting up 70 points on Clemson in the Orange Bowl. Uh, and so got to love what uh, Seattle is doing. And now it's a very winnable game against a Giants team that is defying the odds winning six of their first seven games. But what the Giants have done in winning those games, they have figured out in a hurry how to win football games. And then what uh, Brian Dable is doing with Daniel Jones uh, and his ability to run the football as well as, you know, Daniel Jones is not throwing for very many yards in any of these wins and not throwing for very many touchdowns either. But you talk about another ground game with Barkley and then being able to go down to the wire in games and figure out ways to, to win games. I go back to their first game of the year when Brian Dable set the tone for this season. I'm not often fond of a team going for two down one with a minute or so left in the game, but that was the perfect opportunity for an underdog team on the road at Tennessee to do that. And what happened off coming out of that is he built confidence in that team and they're riding that wave of confidence now for the first whole oh, first half of the season with their only loss coming against the Cowboys a month ago. Yeah, for sure, Bill Jones. And you make a good point on that uh, game at Tennessee. Listen, I've been fighting it with the Giants. I've continuously said, hey, if they beat the Packers, then I'll believe. Then they beat the Packers. And then I said, hey, hold on. Hold on. If they beat the Ravens, then I'll believe. And then they beat the Ravens. And then I said, hey, if they beat the Jags, I'll believe. They beat the Jags. I believe I'm all in on the Giants. Um, six and one. They're going to make the playoffs unless Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley uh, get uh, hurt. And like you said, I love that they're doing it in the different style. They're doing it with the uh, skill sets of their players, which isn't four or five wide slinging it. It's make the best use of Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. And then their defense has been terrific um, as well. So Wink Martindale's been doing a great job, and I think that's a little bit under the radar. Yeah, that's right. And, and so every one of their games has been a one-score game, and they've won uh, six of those seven games. So there's my favorite game of the week. So my, I'll make my prediction on that game. It will be a one-score game. There you go. Who are you picking? 
I'll pick the Giants to go in there to Seattle and pull out a, a narrow victory. I'll go 24-23 Giants over the Seahawks in what may stand up as the game of the week in the National Football League. Wow, what a feat that would be to hold Geno Smith to just 23 points. <laughs> All right, let me get to my uh, musty individual matchup, Bill Jones. It is coming from one of the other intriguing games on the schedule this weekend, Cardinals at Vikings, which I'm very interested in. And I'm talking about two of the best wideouts in the game, DeAndre Hopkins versus Justin Jefferson. I was in Arizona for D-Hop's debut last Thursday night. And wow, did he make an impact. 10 catches, 103 receiving yards. And what I found interesting, he had a team leading 14 targets. The next closest guy was running back Eno Benjamin with just five. So it didn't take Kyler long to get comfortable with D-Hop again. And I'll be interested to see if D-Hop can spark these Cardinals here in the second half of the season. I feel like everyone's kind of written off Arizona. But looking at their schedule and considering they should be getting back some key pieces, James Conner and Rodney Hudson soon, I think Arizona is going to be a factor in that uh, wild card mix. Jefferson and the Vikings, they're not worried about the wild card. They're solely focused on winning that NFC North. They're 5-1, and one, and Jefferson is a key reason why. Third most receiving yards in the league. He's been over 100 for three straight games, and I think it's safe to assume He's going to have another massive game against an Arizona defense that gave up nearly 500 yards to Andy Dalton. And so I'm expecting a fun shootout Sunday in Minneapolis. Can't wait to watch those two wideouts go toe-to-toe. So that should be a good one. And uh, Arizona, maybe Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals can uh, do a turnabout from from Kingsbury's history as a coach and uh, finish this season strong because uh, in the past, whether it be with Arizona or with Texas Tech, the opposite has occurred for Cliff Kingsbury's team. So that's a great matchup. Uh, Here's the individual matchup I'm going with. Before Monday night, I was thinking that my individual matchup, and this was coming off the Cowboys win over the Lions on uh, Sunday, and You know, Jared Goff had only been sacked seven times this season coming into that game. Cowboys got to him five times. Almost almost all of them may have been in the second half. They had five takeaways in the second half of that game against the Lions. But talking with uh, Sam Williams after the game on CBS, of course, the game was on CBS. We had a post-game show afterwards. uh, We talked live with Sam after he had his first sacks of his NFL career, had a couple. Micah Parsons happened by, and so uh, Micah is then talking to Sam, and we were talking about the competition on this team for sacks. And so I'm thinking, you know what my individual matchup of the week is going to be? It's going to be Micah Parsons versus the rest of this Dallas pass rush to get to the quarterback. That's my individual matchup of the week because it was funny. Micah, Micah was mad because he did not get credited with a second sack where he actually – cause golf to be to yeah he he got grabbed him by the foot whatever they credited the sack to Dorrance Armstrong who by the way now has six sacks on the season matching his career high set last year Cowboys are not missing Randy Gregory by the way so he's Dorrance Armstrong has six sacks in seven games this year so 
Uh, okay, there's there's my individual matchup. It's the race to the quarterback in Dallas, which is leading the league in sacks. And then I watched the Monday night game. And at halftime of that Monday night game, New England trailing 20 to 14. They, w- they had gone up 14 to 10, and then Justin Fields brings Chicago back with a couple of scores late in the half, and it made it 20 to 14. He had been sacked four times at halftime. And then, as you saw on Monday night, Chicago's offense got it so much in gear against the Patriots. And, uh, and it's actually, that became one of the most intriguing matchups this coming week with, uh, with what Chicago did on Monday night and with Justin Fields' ability to run the football as well as throw it against this Dallas pass rush. Uh, I think that's my matchup of the week now. And especially when you look at what the, the trouble that the Cowboys had with Jalen Hurts and uh, the RPOs that Philadelphia is running, and, and that was just two weeks ago. That, uh, the, the Chicago Bears all of a sudden are going to be a big test for this Dallas defense uh, because of what Justin Fields has been able to do here in the last week. Maybe that was his coming out party, as they say, uh, for this Bears offense. It's also intriguing because Matt Eberplus, the former uh, linebackers coach here, who is essentially – you know, he was Rod Marinelli's right-hand man running this defense when he was here and then went to Indianapolis. And uh, I know a lot of people in the Cowboys organization think very fondly of Eberflus. And so coming down here, I think it's it's actually turned into an intriguing matchup. This is what I'll say, Bill Jones. I'm not sure that these designed runs that they were using for Justin Fields is the best way to go. I was texting my friends and I have a lot of Ohio state friends and a lot of bears friends. He already takes the most hits in the league with the sacks. Do we want to design 10 quarterback runs where he's taking more hits? I don't know. They worked last night. So maybe that's the plan going forward, but is that how they're trying to develop the young quarterback? Uh, To me, that just seems like a bad idea. I don't know. I'm scared. That Justin Fields is going to get hurt. It's worrisome, especially when he goes up against this Dallas defense this week. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And to be fair, New England had has a very good defense too, and and he did a great job. They were running quarterback sweeps multiple last night and scored on him. And so we'll see what happens. The Bears also have a pretty good uh, defense as well, and so that will be. Uh, interesting to see how Dak and the Cowboys offense do against them. But the, but the way to attack this Dallas defense might be that way where you're running towards them rather than them running towards you to uh, sack the quarterback. And by the way, we can't let it, this pass without saying something. Did you see the play Micah Parsons made running down Brock Wright, the Lions tight end at the goal line? I mean, he was shot out of a cannon, which was the play of the game. I mean, they're up 10 to 6 on the Lions. And the Lions are threatening, and down on the goal line, Parsons somehow is able to come from six yards behind him and make up the gap in a matter of 10 yards and stop him at the goal line. Next play, Lions fumble. If the Lions score a touchdown on that drive, it's 13-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter, and no telling how the rest of that game plays out. Micah is just amazing to watch here in Dallas. I've never seen him take a playoff, and that's what I always look for is even when he's not around the ball, I'm looking at the perimeter of the screen because I know he's about to be around the ball and he's about to fly fly into the screen, hit somebody. And a lot of times it's a fumble or a fumble recovery or a touchdown saving tackle, which that ended up being. I'm still feeling good about my preseason pick for the defensive player of the year in the NFL.
You might have this thing locked up by midseason, Bill Jones. <laughs> All right, time to put the pressure on. All right, Dr. Jones. Um, pressure is on Bill Belichick and Robert Sala. We have a Patriots-Jets game this weekend in what can only be categorized as a huge game in the AFC East for years. Belichick and Brady feasted on that division, one of the worst in football. Helped them make the playoffs 16 out of 17 years from 2003 until 2019. But that is in the past because not only is the NFC East a beast, which we mentioned earlier, so is the AFC East. Three teams currently over 500. The one that's not, you guessed it, your New England Patriots, Bill Jones. Belichick also has a little pressure trying to figure out his quarterback situation. And so it's either Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. For what it's worth, I vote for Mac Jones if he's healthy. The guy got him into the playoffs last year. We should probably let him play a little bit longer before we bench him. As for Salah, you got to give him a ton of credit. Jets are five and two. They've won four straight games. And they're doing it mostly with their top 10 scoring defense. Their offense has struggled, except for Brees Hall, who was running away with the offensive rookie of the year until an awful season-ending knee injury. Plus, and this isn't being talked about enough, they lost underrated guard Elijah Vera Tucker for the season as well. So how are the Jets going to score moving forward? I have no idea, but they did acquire James Robinson from the Jags to fill the void at running back. It also looks like Elijah Moore will be back after requesting a trade last week. It's kind of wild. The Jets are averaging just 302 yards of offense during their four-game win streak. Not a recipe for success. So Belichick and Salah feeling some pressure for different reasons. For the first time in a long time, I'm actually looking forward to a Patriots and Jets game. We were talking about the Monday night game in Justin Fields. How about on the Patriots side where you've got Bill Belichick. Yep. This is one of the reasons I love watching just the Patriots, whether they're doing going well or struggling like they are right now. And they were going well coming into that game on Monday night. But anyway, he makes the decision. He's going to go with Bailey Zappi, who two years ago was playing for a one in three Houston Baptist team that uh, only played four games in a COVID shortened season. Okay. He makes the decision to go with him at quarterback over a guy who that same season was the consensus All-American Davy O'Brien Award winner for the national champion Crimson Tide of Alabama. And, you know, he's a coach who, uh, who probably preaches it's a meritocracy as much as any coach in America, and that is proof positive of it right there. In an in-game situation, my golly, I'm, I don't care what your past is. I don't care where you were playing two years ago. It's what you're doing for me now. And now, after what happened in the end of that game uh, and the picks that, uh, that Zappy threw at the end of the game, the meritocracy will switch back to the national champion from Alabama next game, probably. Yeah, that was hilarious. Zappy comes in and he's lighting it up, right? And the whole stadium's going crazy. The Patriots fans think they found their next Brady. And then, like, the fourth quarter turns around and starts throwing interceptions. I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is why he was the third-string quarterback just, like, two or three weeks ago. 
All right, which brings me to my pressures on, and I think you're going to like my choice. You know who the pressure is on this week more than any quarterback in the National Football League? Tom Brady. Well, no, no. He's been under pressure. This is this is no kind of pressure for him. Okay? Aaron Rodgers. No, he's been under pressure. This is no kind of pressure for him. No, the pressure is on Sam Ellinger, the new starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. And the reason that the pressure is on him really is not because he's starting his first NFL game. It's what his head coach said about this start. It's the first start of what he hopes will be 10 starts or so to end the season. He's the starting quarterback going forward for the Indianapolis Colts. And so when Indianapolis plays Washington this week, there's a whole lot of pressure on young Sam Ellinger. Now, I like the fact they made this move. It kind of reminds me of 2006, and I looked up the numbers on this, when Tony Romo took over for Drew Bledsoe. You'll recall that Bill Parcells made that decision at halftime of a game against the New York Giants. The Cowboys were trailing 12-7, to and Drew Bledsoe, who was the first overall pick coming out of college, Matt Ryan was the third overall pick coming out of college, uh, Bledsoe was 34 years old at the time, Ryan is 37 now. That season, Bledsoe had thrown eight interceptions against seven touchdown passes. Uh, Ryan this year is nine picks, nine touchdown passes. The Cowboys lost that game to the Giants to finish three and three. It was week six of the season. This was week seven of the season. The Colts are now three, three, and one. And so Frank Reich has now made the decision to go with his young quarterback, 24-year-old Sam Ellinger, and back in 2006, Tony Romo had never played in a game outside of holding on extra points or field goals, and uh, he was 26 years old at the time. Now, what people don't remember is that in the second half of that game, Romo threw three picks. He also threw two touchdown passes. But then the next week, they go to Carolina, and they beat the Panthers 35-14, to 14, and the rest is history. Tony Romo's now in the CBS broadcast booth uh, with Jim Nance. All right, so knowing a little bit about Sam Ellinger, and you talk about a guy who's been under pressure, who's been through a lot in his life. His father passed away when he was in high school. His, his brother tragically passed away a week or so after he was drafted by the Colts. I mean, this is a guy who is as mature as a 24-year-old can be. And I think what has happened in Indianapolis is Frank Reich has seen the leadership that Ellinger has uh, with his teammates and so forth. He's also worked with Bobby Strope, the same uh, trainer that uh, Patrick Mahomes has, and Strope is just raving about how uh, Ellinger has improved his body in the last couple of years as far as from an athletic standpoint. And we saw a glimpse of it in the preseason with the Colts. Uh, he was balling out. Uh, now, the preseason is not the regular season. And can he read defenses? Can he process? Can he do all that stuff? And you saw a couple of weeks ago, they elevated him to the second team ahead of Nick Foles. And you can kind of see this coming with what was going on with your guy, Matt Ryan, who was going to lead the Colts uh, to the promised land this year. But I love the move, and uh, the but the pressure is on Sam Ellinger uh, because of what the coach said, that he's the quarterback going forward. Um, Thursday night football was Colts-Broncos, and Matt Ryan was so bad 
that I was like, you, there has to be a better option here. Why is Nick Foles not in this game? Like you saw Nick Foles and Matt Ryan on the sidelines talking on the bench. And I'm thinking, why is Nick Foles not in this game? Come to find out, you know, Ellinger is their, their better option, according to uh, Frank Reich. And listen, the Colts still have a lot of talent. My biggest swing in the miss of the season was that Matt Ryan would be good and the Colts would be great. And um, hey, who knows? Maybe Ellinger can uh, lead Indy into a postseason wild card and, spot. And you can, he wins out. Who knows? And then you can be half right on your prediction. Exactly. That's all I'm really going for. <laughs> yep. The other thing I should give a shout out to Sam Ellinger's high school coach, and that would be one Todd Dodge, who has developed some pretty good quarterbacks himself. So there you go. And now, now you've got the top two quarterbacks in uh, in Indianapolis are both from the same high school, Austin Westlake, Nick Foles, and Sam Ellinger. Two legends down there. In uh-huh. Austin, right? That's of right. Course. Same high school that produced Drew Brees. That's where I was going next. Like mm-hmm. it. All right. Well, I think that was a resounding edition of uh, Jonesing for Football for week eight. I can't wait to see how our predictions fare, including my Giants 24-23 win over Seattle. I'm going to take the Seahawks, Bill Jones, at home, defending their house, and they're just going to do it with the run game. It's going to be Ken Walker on the ground. That's I'm taking the Seahawks. Okay. All right. So we're both making our picks and you pick the Rams or the Niners uh I'm gonna go with the Niners in this game getting healthy okay I'll go with the Niners too I'll I'll go with the Niners too all right and I will go with the Colts over Taylor Heineke and Washington Mm. so Ellinger like Romo in 2006 is gonna win his first game Okay. I hope Indy's right. I still got got a lot of Colts gear in the closet, so I'm riding with the Colts. (laughs) All right. That does it for this week's edition of Jonesing for Football, and we will see you again next week, Babe Loppenberg.